Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchis, the laws of To'ein Vinit'an, litigation, plaintiff, defendant, Pedic Shlosha Osser, chapter 13, we're learning about an important principle in Jewish law, and that is the principle of Chazoka. If I've been living in this house and dwelling in this courtyard and working and benefiting from the produce of this field for three years or more, if I have a claim that it's mine, it could be assumed to be mine. Now, the question is, why? And the answer is, as we've learned earlier, because three years went by. And if three years goes by, the real owner had opportunity time and again to object. And he didn't. So there must be no real owner. And we learned earlier it must be full three years or full three seasons or what have you. Now the Rambam tells us in chapter 13 from Halacha, and of course all of this is based on the oral law, the Mishnah, the Gemara, and so on, that there are a list of people who can't establish this presumed ownership because they kind of belong in the property and they don't arouse suspicion. The Eluhain and the following list are those where we don't establish that the property is probably theirs even though they enjoyed the usage of this property for three years and here the Rambam will go through a list and then in this chapter and the next he will define item by item the list a workman a craftsman, just because a guy is painting my house for three years, it doesn't mean he owns it. It just means he's a slow painter. The ha'aris and a sharecropper, the ha'apatrupin and a guardian, the ashutofen and a partner, the ha'ish, benichse ishte, and a husband, in the possessions, private possessions of his wife, we learn that when a woman comes into a marriage, she can bring possessions that do not become part of the marriage. Nichse melug, nichse tzom barzel, and so on. The Aisha and the woman, benichse baila, in the possessions of her husband. Just because a woman is enjoying the land or the house or the vacation home or the field of her husband doesn't mean that she owns it exclusive of him. Again, the logic is, in the above list, no one would even dream of objecting to his worker. What are you doing in my house? I'm working there. To the guardian, to the partner, to the, to the spouse. A son in the possessions of his father. It's normal for a son to feel like he owns the father's possession. Well, at least to act like he feels it. Or the father in the possessions of the son. All of the above list. One person does not object to the other. Therefore, the fact that people enjoy it, is not proof. Even though there was no objection lodged by the alleged owners. The fact that any member of the above list spent three years enjoying the property means nothing. 
let the property revert back to the owners, Shevi Araya, who brought proof, Shazay Sakarka, that this property, Yudua Lahen, is known to them. I've pointed out many times before, and I'll point out again. What's going on here? Somebody owns property, surely he's going to realize that somebody's there day one. The answer is, imagine somebody who owns a lot of property. He doesn't know what's doing in every one of his properties. So he has three years to object if there's a squatter, but the above list, they're not squatters. They have rights to be there, so no one is going to object. And he can take the rabbinic oath known as Hesus that he did not sell to this person, did not give Kameshabiano. The fact that the person has been there for three years or more means nothing. I do want to point out again, and we're going to specifically learn it in, I believe, the next chapter, that. It's interesting, in Torah law, the fact that I was there for three years and nobody said anything, I was there for ten years, means nothing unless I claim it was given to me or I bought it. Just the fact that I was there and what we call a squatter in and of itself does not make it mine. It has to be accompanied by a claim. So in that case, if it's yours and you bought it, it was given to you, show me the deed. I lost the deed more than three years. I don't have to keep the deed. But without a claim, out. Adding to this list of people who can't establish a chazaka because they kind of belong there. When the Jewish people were exiled to Babylon under the Babylonian governments, there were Jewish leaders, descendant of King David, descendant of the Davidic dynasty, who were appointed as the Jewish governors, so to speak. And they were called, this is actually, I believe, a Latin word, the exilarch, various different pronunciations, meaning the head of the exile in Babylon. So this was usually a descendant of the Davidic dynasty, and they had government power. Nobody messed with them. Now, often they were very God-fearing Jews. Sometimes they were not such God-fearing Jews. You know, history is history. So you have the head of the Galut of Shalos Osman of that time. The fact that he spent three years on my property means nothing because he could do what he wants. The Hagazlan, or a robber, the fact that they are benefiting from the produce of my field means nothing because they are strong men. Nobody tells the head of the exile. Nobody tells a robber or a strong idolater what to do. Because they are men of force. They're muscle men. And similarly speaking, we learned extensively in other settings there are three categories of people we don't want to mess with. One is a cheder, a deaf mute. Sheta, someone who's not mentally mature, mentally balanced. The cotton or a minor. The fact that they are there for three years. The owner will say, it didn't bother me, they don't threaten me. The fact that they're enjoying the produce for three years means nothing. Because they have no real complaint, they have no real position that the property should remain within their domain. It should go back to the owners. Why? Nobody is threatened by these three categories. The same is vice versa. 
somebody who establishes ownership of their properties, that also means nothing, because they cannot be litigants. Gimbal Give me an example of how this works. So the Rambam now spells it out. Rube, Mr. A, Sha'achal Sdei Shimon, who enjoyed the field, the produce of the field of Mr. B. Shimon. Shnei Chazaka for three years or more. And again, what's his position? Shilakucha Biyode, he says he bought it from Shimon. There always has to be a position. You can't just squat. The Havi Shimon Adam and Shimon brings witnesses. She you do allow that it's known that it's been his property since Abraham Lincoln's time. The Chain Havi Adam he brings witnesses. Shereuben Yodua Shushutofei, and he furthermore brings witnesses. You know what Reuben was doing in his property for three years or more? He was once his partner. He's not threatened by a partner, or he is his partner. A Yarisa or his sharecropper, a Apitrupose or his guardian. Situation of, of, of orphans, there's a guardian or what have you, court appointed guardians. You want to know why I didn't lodge an objection, says Shimon? Because the guy belongs there. Because he has a position there. Or he had this setting causes the field to revert to Shimon, even though Reuben was there for three years or more. Yeshova Hesus, and he takes the rabbinic oath of Hesus, Shimon has to say, I swear I never sold it to this guy, to Reuben. I never gave it to him, never happened. And the same applies for any of the other above mentioned list. However, if Reuben can't, if Shimon cannot prove that Reuben was his partner, or his sharecropper. In that case, Reuben is a stranger, and a stranger can establish Chazoko. Reuben himself confessed, he admitted, and he said, Yes, he was my partner, and he sold to me. So we have this by Reuben's admission, being that he also used the property for three years. And he can claim and say, He was never my partner. How come he can claim that? Because there were no witnesses. Because the whole association of partnership began by his own admission. There's a principle. The same mouth that forbids is the same mouth that permits. My admission. In that case, he can't establish Chazoka like anyone else because there were no witnesses that he was a partner or a sharecropper. How does it work with craftsmen that we say that a worker, a craftsman, cannot establish Chazoka? If the workmen were building, they were doing construction, or they were repairing, many years. It was a big job. Obviously, my craftsman doesn't scare me that he's going to come and say he owns it. He doesn't own it. He works there. However, if they retired from their craft, if they enjoyed the property for three years or more after their retirement, they can't establish ownership. How does it work with a sharecropper? This guy was a sharecropper to the fellow's father. To Shimon's father, Shabbalah Sodeh, or to his cousin, to his brother-in-law, 
So you kind of feel the guy belongs there. He's always hanging out there. Shekiv and Shu Oris Shabbat Yavas, being that it was a sharecropper of the family. Ain Memachin Abolim Biyodah, the owner never feels he has to object. Abolim Zeh, who Shanasa Oris Chila, but if he just recently became a sharecropper, Helva Achola Kula Shnei Chazaka, being that he established himself for three years. It's not like he was a sharecropper for a hundred years. We can say that perhaps it is proof that it's his if he has a good claim. And we say to the owners, He just became a sharecropper. But he ate for three years before that, I think it means. Why didn't you object? A sharecropper of the family, who brought in other sharecroppers. He subcontracted to other sharecroppers. This is an established form of ownership. Why? Because just Joe off the street can't bring in sharecroppers. Because it's not normal for a stranger to bring in sharecroppers to somebody else's property. And he's silent. Obviously, that's a good established fact that he owns it. He brings in sharecroppers. But if he just divides the land amongst other sharecroppers who also happened to work there, this is not an established ownership. Maybe he was the supervisor of all the sharecroppers. The artist and a sharecropper, Sheyorad Marisosi, who retired from the sharecropper position, and enjoyed the field or property for three years, after retirement, this is a form of established ownership. Guardians, how is the scenario of guardians? Whether the guardian was only appointed for this particular field, or was a guardian for all of the properties of this fellow, whether the court appointed the guardian, for example, because the person was an orphan or not mentally mature, or the father of the orphans before he died appointed the guardian. You know, today they have a document to sign. If God forbid something happens to you, who should raise your children? Who should be your guardian? Who should be the children's guardians? The God will I and the children grew up and then he left them. Once the children grow up, they don't need a guardian anymore. So then the guardian comes in and all of a sudden he says, hey, it's mine. Or as they used to say when I was a kid in Newark, it's mine's. Whether an individual person appointed a guardian to supervise his income and expenditures. You give somebody power of attorney, and he's in charge, and he can run all of your business. You're not going to be suspicious of this guy trying to establish ownership. Because they have authority to come in and out. That authority precludes them from establishing a chazaka of ownership. But if the guardians were removed from their position, and for three years after they were removed, they enjoyed the produce three consecutive years, this could be an established form of ownership if there is a claim associated. 
Ches hashutop in case, and what's the scenario of partners? Im hayashutop besodazu, Mr. A and Mr. B were partners in one field, but in Chalukah, the field is not big enough to divide. Some fields we learned are big enough to divide, other fields they're too small to divide. There has to be a minimum size to divide. Apa pishachalas kula, hoechad mehen kamashonim, even though one alone benefited from the entire field for several years, hari becheskashneim, it's still assumed to be part of the partnership. That is, if it's not big enough to divide, but if it is big enough to divide, and one of the two enjoyed it for three or more years, he is established as an owner. Because he could say to his partner, I claim you sold it to me. I claim you gave it to me. But if you did not sell it to me, if you did not give it to me and it's yours, so let me ask you a question. Hey, how did I enjoy the property? Produce for so many years. And you are ZG, Zugurnish. You say nothing. And you didn't object, logic and objection. For three years or more. Impossible. And similarly speaking, in the case of spouses, and we learned extensively that there could be property that a wife owns that the husband does not own. Sometimes he's in charge of it, sometimes he's not in charge of it. Often he can enjoy the produce, but he doesn't get the principle. In this case, where he doesn't belong there for some reason, because as he entered into the marriage, he says, I know the tradition is the husband can enjoy the produce of the wife's private property, but she says, in order you want to marry me, you stay away from my field and get away from the produce. So they made a special deal between them. That's like a prenup. So he went, this guy who's not supposed to enjoy the produce, and he enjoyed the produce of his wife. For three years or more. Even though he had a prenup with her. And they agreed that he won't. Aha. And he did. Doesn't it mean that she sold it to him or she gave it to him? No. Because he's a husband. Wives are not usually suspicious of husbands in their fields. Even if he made a deal with her when they were betrothed that he would not be the heir of her property. And then he ate and he built and he demolished, he demoed, he constructed, he did everything he did. Suddenly he's acting like an owner, doesn't mean anything because he's a husband. So also in the various other scenarios, the woman she was walking around like she owns the properties of her husband, even though he owns the property and he owes her support. She acted like she owns the place for many years. Isn't that established ownership? Can't she claim he gave it to her? No, because a wife is usually given free reign to the possessions of the husband. That's like a marriage. Even though, let's take the, scenario, the plot thickens, he allocated a particular field for her, and he says, listen, I'm a rich man. I own billions, 
but I'm going to give you this field, from this you can make a few million a year. Leave my other stuff alone. And she did not leave the other stuff alone, and she was all over the place, acting like she owns the whole Ponderosa. That means nothing, because her wife has free reign in the properties of her husband. The fact that she was there is not proof that he gave it to her. Similar rules apply to Abena's son. Supported by his father. He lives in his father's house. He's part of the household. He has free reign. He was for three years or more in the possession, in the fields, in the properties of his father. It means nothing. Because it's not unusual for a son to be in the properties of his father. Or vice versa. The father is enjoying the produce of his son's property. Who derives a livelihood from him for three years. No proof. Test nine. What if the son leaves the father? The father lives in Southern California and the son moves to Colorado. The Isha, or a woman, Shinizgarsha, who was divorced. Ah, a divorce certainly ends that relationship. A philosophic gaydushin, even sometimes there's a halachic question whether the divorce was 100% good, but still, it's the end of the marriage. And they manifest three years or more of acting like an owner. Because the son left the father's household, because the woman and the husband were divorced, they become like everyone else, and usage of three years or more of the property establishes an assumption of ownership and if they have a claim they can proceed with that claim yud now the rambam gives us background roshe golius the heads of the exile the exilarch exilarch we talked about before the Descendants of the Davidic dynasty in Babylon who were appointed by the Babylonian governments, they had tremendous power. That establishes in the time of our sages, the whole Babylonian Talmud was in Babylon. <coughs> Being that they had authority to do what they want, to rule over the people, so the fact that this fellow, who was an absolute monarch for all practical purposes, the fact that he was in your field for three years means nothing, because he can do whatever he wants. What are you going to do, object? You can't object. You're in Russia, and the Tsar is there, and the Tsar comes into your field. He says, excuse me, Mr. Tsar, can you get out of my field? It's not healthy. The same goes with the Reish Galusa, with the head of the exile. So also... Anyone else who comes into the field of the head of the exile and spends three years or more, I feel even if he ate the produce for many years, there's no proof. Because there's nobody to object. Why? Because these are tough people. You don't mess with them. Anytime they want to, they can remove you. But they can take a rabbinic oath of Hesse saying they swear that they didn't give or sell. And again, none of these claims of Chazaka are worth anything without a claim. 
They, these powerful people, established ownership in somebody else's property. He didn't sell. He can take a rabbinic oath that he didn't sell and did not give. And finally, the closing paragraph of this chapter, what is the deal with the robber? If somebody is established that he robbed this field, what do you mean he robbed this field? Because that's what he does. Like Bonnie and Clyde. Why did they rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Or if somebody comes from a family of mafia, they kill people. Just for money. You touch my car, break your face. Even though this descendant of the mafia enjoyed somebody's field for many, many years, nobody messes with the descendant of the guy from Sicily. He does not establish ownership. And the field reverts back to the owner. End of chapter 13.